Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar. Welcome to a brand new series of Audio Gyan in association with Bharat Flooring and Tiles. In the coming weeks, we'll be talking with various artists, heritage conservationists, brand creators, illustrators, and architects associated with Bharat Flooring and Tiles. It's a company formed in 1922, which is leader in quality cement flooring and has been primarily making customized, handmade cement tiles. The timeless elegance and durability of these tiles make them work of art and invaluable part of the country's architectural heritage. It started as a part of Swadeshi movement. and with over 90 years of reputation bft is now most preferred choice of interior designers and architects across india you can find relevant links in the show notes below today i have saurav roy with us on audio gan roy graduated from national institute of design ahmedabad he is a design director for idea spice design and international design consultancy based out of dubai and mumbai roy has been working with entrepreneurs and retail center developers for past 17 years He is also co-founder of Knot and Tuft, a design platform that brings designers together to create handmade carpets. He is also a co-founder of Half Fry, a platform that brings creators from various fields to talk about their process and their passion. I believe it's a monthly uh, uh, program, and I am accompanied uh, as part host and part guest, Firdos Variawa. So thank you guys uh, for giving your time, and it's a real pleasure to have you on Audio Gan Saurav, and yeah, welcome back, uh, Firdos. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. The topic today, which I've uh, thought about, is uh, like we'll discuss how brands are made, uh, but more importantly, how did Idea Spice Studio recreated this hundred-year-old uh, Bharat Flooring and Tiles brand, and obviously know more about branding and generally sure. in this noisy world, how are you planning to create more brands and what is your philosophy behind that? So to begin with, uh, I have the first question for uh, Saurav is that after seventeen years of brand building. Uh, how do you define this intangible thing called brand? I mean, are there any parameters on which you uh, decide to pick up a brand? Uh, is it say market share? Is it loyalty? Is it just number of followers on Instagram? Is it the likes, or maybe after sales uh, trust by the brand, or any any like what are the parameters uh, you decide to measure that this brand is from X? Now it's X and it has reached Y. Then, so I think. Uh... one of the main things that we sort of look at is uh, i look at the brand from a very human perspective the way that i sort of look at my definition of a brand is it's it's something which occupies a very specific space in your consumer's head that used to be one definition of a brand which worked earlier which was focused towards your consumers but the other aspect of brands also is a brand also drives a sense of purpose within an organization today okay. more than anything else uh, what you create how you create is also equally important mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's important to know that because the definition of a brand completely from a consumer side could tend to be a more marketing exercise however a large part of the exercise like for example in bft is not really just the consumers itself but what's the sense of purpose within an organization what does it stand for mm-hmm. and really that's to me is a simpler definition of a brand it's an idea that you stand for and the employees the owners everyone that drives a sense of purpose in terms of what they are creating for the consumers it's something that they ascribe to more than often the brands that we like or the brands that we loyal to 
is not just the product, right? It's also what the product stands for. It's a whole lot of other factors as well. But deeper down, it's the idea that you ascribe to, whatever mm. your favorite brand is. And I think now we are in a in a far more interesting times where brands are no longer just created by the people who are producing the product or the brand itself, but the brands are also being created by the consumers in terms of how they consume the mm-hmm. brand as well, right? Whether it's on the likes on social media, whether it's, you know, how much videos they are sharing, but it's become a more participatory thing where both the producer or the traditional producer or the manufacturer is in some sense equally as responsible as the consumer themselves. And that sort of brings to an interesting space where consumers are also, and that's where the nature of brands are also changing, right? Because consumers are now sort of looking at how I will subscribe to a brand which is more sustainable. I'll subscribe to a brand which has, you know, deeper values, for example. Mm. So earlier, for example, a couple of generations ago, the honesty of the corporate which is producing the brand was never something which was there in a consumer's head, right? I mean, look at advertising, Hmm. back from 60s, 70s and you know what they used to say hmm. but today oh. for as a consumer myself it's also equally important to know that you know if I'm buying a product from a particular brand I need to know that is this brand what does the brand stand for what are its actual values it's not just the product that they're selling but what do they stand for mm-hmm. so obviously for example in fashion if you have brands which are obviously using child labor for example I mean that is something which might not even have occurred to a consumer say 10, 20 30 years ago. Yeah, Volkswagen is a classic example. It's a classic example. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. and all of this is happening because now brands are more participatory in nature in the sense that when a brand gets created, it's no longer just the just being done by the producers or manufacturers or the content that they create in forms of advertising and design, but it's actually how the consumers are consuming the, pro- the brand themselves. Mm-hmm. So that then sort of brings a very interesting approach to brand building where your business model itself has to be built around a certain idea. Mm. You can't just do these things on a superficial level. So you can't be an organization which has, you know, bad labor practices, for example, but on the other hand, has a shiny surface that it shows to the public. In social media, sooner or later, it's going to get found out. So so then it begs the question that, you know, the kind of labor practices, HR laws, etc. that you have, do they ascribe to the actual idea that you're sort of telling the consumers? Mm. So all of these different areas and different factors also come into play. Hmm. With, so, sorry, uh, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but uh, since you are like a third party eventually, <clears throat> yeah. right, what percentage of brand has to be, what percentage of guidelines or what percentage of weightage should be given so that the founders say like the last employee, right? Last employee isn't like the most recent joint employee. How much do they imbibe that and what percentage of projection for the brand for the consumers? You have a balance of that? See, it really depends on the context in terms of what kind of organization that you're working with. Hmm. Now, for example, if you're working with an MNC, for example, no one really Hmm. owns that brand per se, right? I mean, you have a CEO, you have a corporate structure, etc. as well. And those shared values or those ideas then sort of get created by this uh, abstract entity, which is the corporation itself. Hmm. However, when you have something like a BFT, for example, it's a founder-led brand. To me, the way that I see BFT is a reflection of what Firdaus is as a person. Hmm. So in startups, in smaller organizations, in a different nature of an organization, which is, I wouldn't say non-corporate per se, but it's something which is more people-led. And there's a very strong founder principle which is there. I mean, I think the best example in recent times is Uber, right? 
for example hmm. so uber yeah. had a particular value and a culture even though at a particular scale was because how the founder imbibed those values and passed those values down you know down the structure mm-hmm. in the case of bft for example a very large part of the work that we've been doing with bft is also completely driven by firdaus in terms of what he is as a person what are the values that he imbibes and therefore what sort of translates mm-hmm. right that's true mm-hmm. and our budgets <laughs> most importantly <laughs> yeah yeah actually the first two three questions are more related to understanding the brand and then we'll uh, we'll have yeah. fidos's uh, comment in terms of how did you guys collaborate but uh, just to further yeah. understand so how do you differentiate between like a branding exercise versus a facelift right you know what i mean right a facelift is a classic uh, yeah yeah so facelift uh, <laughs> facelift is something that we don't take up because you know typically a facelift is somewhere where a client comes and says you know we know what we want to do mm. we want someone to execute Okay. Now that's obviously for me personally. That's obviously means that you know this is not somewhere where you can particularly add any value because you are all you are doing is you are executing something else. Mm-hmm. However, if it comes with a larger, more open-ended question, for example, right? I mean, you know, we are doing this. We want to reach somewhere else. How do we do this, for example? Mm-hmm. So the difference actually is in between a fine difference between a specification and a requirement. Mm-hmm. When a client comes with a specification that I need. a logo so that i can look great for example that's a specification now that's not something i mean that's something which i don't think i can add any value because that's something which you can do yourself from, uh, yeah, from any DTP, other place dtp guy also i i i'm <laughs> i'm completely positive in that within the next 5 years you will have a ai driven website mm-hmm. you can go there and make a logo for yourself if you know what you want mm-hmm. and it will do a good job as as good a job as any designer can do for sure mm-hmm. however if a client comes with a requirement that look i am in this particular market i need to reach another market or i am struggling to do this that those are much larger open ended questions or for example you know we want to imbibe a particular set of values within the organization how do we drive those values mm. that to me is a is a requirement and that's something which is more open ended and hence there's a deeper sort of level of engagement that we can do mm-hmm. i did one interview with uh, ashwini deshpande from elephant design sure. and uh, yeah obviously with 30 years of experience yeah, i yeah, asked yeah, like absolutely. a more open ended question saying what does design mean to you and she yeah. said like like you can just do a facelift or like whatever whatever what was the interesting word prettification that's what the word we yeah that's in. a good word <laughs> yeah prettification hmm, yeah. so you can easily do right. that because yeah. it's just like changing the lipstick or changing the color correct, or correct. that's about it correct. but when it comes to design then you're actually trying to value add certain yeah things which are yeah. not thought by the client or something like that i think that's a good definition in the sense yeah. that a huge part of design is is the value that we are able to bring and i think as designers one of the perspectives that we are able to bring in are the ability to look at the same thing from multiple perspectives hmm. you are able to look at a brand from the point of view of the owner you look at you are able to look at the brand from the point of view of the employees hmm. from the consumers from the stakeholders from the vendors and all of them are equally important viewpoints hmm. and i think it's the ability of designers to be able to consolidate all of these multiple viewpoints and therefore create a shared sense of purpose and a shared value that sort of adds gets added to the brand hmm. so i'm sure uh, it must have been like I wouldn't say relatively easy because again, with multiple interviews uh, through audio gain session, I've realized there are different challenges at different points in time. But at least, if you can consider like twenty years back, yeah. creating a brand was still relatively easy, if I can say. Or if 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 it's otherwise, then please explain. But what has changed in terms of brand building uh, in the recent time with so much noise happening around us? Everyone's trying to shout. 
I think I think the to me the biggest difference is that 20 years ago uh, building a brand was a one way street. So I mean it's pretty much like mad men right i mean you're mm. sitting in a conference room with the guys and saying okay here's a great product mm. how do we sell it these True. are the things that we do and it's a one way street and then you push out spend money on advertising or pr etc and then push that brand out today that's not the case today for example even at a level of cons- i mean kickstarter is a excellent example right mm. i mean people going to kickstarter to get a valuation or a credibility of their idea in the first place to mm. me is also part of a design process as well mm. So all of a sudden building a brand now is no longer a one way street it's a street which has it's like a sat rasta now like mm. <laughs> you know ma- multiple hey, points multiple things sort of coming in together and that's where it's sort of i think while yes it does become a lot more complicated i think it's a much better way of building a brand for sure because finally end of a i mean end of the day if you look at the larger picture if we as consumers are able to drive organizations towards better behavior Hmm. by sort of sensibilizing how we consume their products and services i think that's a definitely a better better scenario than say a couple of years ago or decades ago mm-hmm. when there was no accountability at all mm-hmm. so a tobacco company could have ads in the 60s and 50s thinking it's safe for mothers to smoke in front of the kids i mean, <laughs> right. I mean just that scenario today is impossible for us to think but it was a reality sometime back right mm. and i think all of that happens because of this changed nature in which brands are being created and the kind of conversations that we are able to have yeah i think brand branding has become more dem- uh, democratic now yeah you find a lot more ways that brand can reach out and as well the consumers can also give their feedback in a very in- instantaneous fashion of whether they like yeah this brand the products or not i mm. think it's become very interesting yeah The next one is for you, Firdos. Uh, like, what made you engage with Idea Spice? What was like the brief given to Saurav? So the initial brief was that uh, you know, being a ninety-year-old company, we were kind of stuck in a certain mindset. And when we went to Idea Spice, we wanted to break out of that mindset. We wanted to be known for you know being more design-forward uh, thinking. We wanted to be a little more contemporary. We wanted to be moving away from that whole heritage look, but yet not let go of it totally. So that was the brief that we gave to Saurav we wanted to say that look you know we are 98 years old but we want to also appeal to the younger generation to the upcoming art, uh, architects and interior designers and uh, we want to be more contemporary so uh, i think that uh, that was where the whole conversation started mm-hmm. and uh, of course uh, Saurav and his team are uh, young trendy hip Uh, <laughs> designers so i think that they really nailed the brief and uh, gave us what we were looking for mm-hmm. yeah i think his brief was make us make us cool yeah exactly we wanted to be less fuddy duddy and more cool mm-hmm. that was the whole brief yeah. <laughs> i think i should do these type of uh, interviews more because there's like a client perspective yeah. and a an agency mm-hmm. perspective yeah. so like a nice uh, because then the follow up question to you uh, yeah. sort of was, is that uh, so can you share what was the process in building that i mean 1922 right so it's it's uh, it's a long journey to comprehend and what has the brand gone through the ups and downs uh yeah. like what was the process and i have a follow up question on that as well yeah so i think the i mean obviously the interpretation of the brief was make makers look cool but obviously the requirement hmm. was far larger right the requirement was that how does a handcrafted product stay relevant in today's time especially in the field that they're in and uh to me i felt that uh, the the pivot point really was 
uh, when we were looking at and we were discussing comparisons between say a BFT and say some of the other competitors which are vitrified tiles for example mm-hmm. so i was thinking that look if i'm a consumer and i have something to be built in a hurry in specific amount of time i would definitely go for a vitrified tile than a bft because i need something done in a couple of days i need it to be ready etc as well so why would i choose a bft tile and the answer really sort of came about to the fact that it's a handcrafted product hmm compared to anything else a vitrified tile no matter how cheap the cost or how well it's finished etc it'll never ever be a handcrafted product hmm. and that's so the thing is that every tile of theirs is laid by hand which hmm. means each tile is slightly different from the other and therefore i as a consumer will invest in a bft versus spend money on a on a tile predominantly mm-hmm. because i am someone who understands the value of the handcrafted product so the, which is why interestingly the logo change that we did the logo the new logo in fact is actually a rendition of their original logo which existed in 1920s mm-hmm. so it was actually sort of bringing all of those back again into a sort of a modern context right and uh, and i think that was predominantly what the sort of pivot was that you know here is how we sort of ended up translating the brief we looked at obviously the identity and again like the discussion that we were having that this was the idea was not to do a prettification or a facelift of the brand the mm. idea was that how does it sort of really go deeper into how the brand itself operates mm. right the business model itself and which is where we started looking at the tile design themselves all of these exercises and tasks and projects like these can never be one sided there always a collaboration between the studio and the client mm-hmm. it's never one sided and mm-hmm. that's where i think the collaboration worked really well because end of the day i think they understood what we brought to the table what our expertise was we understood what sort of make the products really special and then we how do we sort of work together in a way to sort of you know create it what it is now mm-hmm. so i did I didn't do my like research well enough, so I'm not able to recollect the older uh, BFT brand. Mm-hmm. But uh, quite forgettable. Yeah. Forget <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. But but the new yeah. one has like just a cross, yeah. which which is like probably tiles, four tiles placed, but yeah, like yeah, slightly just diagonal in nature. Tiles, And yeah. Uh, yeah, because due to lack of the medium itself, I can't have a picture showing uh, how it is. But yeah, I'm yeah. sure like a lot of people uh, yeah. have seen the brand multiple times. So yeah. what? what was the characteristics uh, or what was the conscious effort you put in uh, mainly to keep the same character as vintage uh, heritage so i think the thing was that we were not trying to do a vintage or a heritage brand hmm. what we were very conscious of doing was that look here is a brand which has you know so much amount of history and legacy is actually a company which was started along the swarajya movement as part of the swarajya movement in india right i mean yeah. at the same time it's still existing today and you see the tiles being used in like a trendy restaurant which is opening up yeah so socials yeah correct right so mm-hmm. so that's the interesting sort of connect that the fact that you can still be rooted in terms of where you start with what your core values are but at the same time you can still be relevant they don't they're not necessarily you know and dichotomy The thing what happens is that the minute we if we try if we had thought of this was as a heritage or a vintage brand I feel that what we would have done or what the efforts and the results would have been would have been very limited in the sense that it sort of again gets closed in basket into one sort of a category altogether hmm. because predominantly uh, for me when I look at branding programs I sort of think them in the sort of a code how can you build a code which is relevant not just today but in changing scenarios say 5 10 years down the line and that's what's important 
because while they the reason for doing the identity change was obviously a change in market scenarios a couple of years ago no one knows what the market or the industry is going to be you know in the next 5 or 10 years hmm. but it doesn't mean that every time market industry scenarios change you have to keep changing the brand there are certain things which remain consistent as core values hmm. your interpretations of that might change right in terms of your communication so the core idea was that a bft as a brand really sort of is is about this handcrafted product incidentally it's making tiles hmm. right so right. that's a True. sort of a good distinction to sort of understand that mm-hmm. what it stands for is this appreciation of a craft which we are losing every day mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. however most of right. us crave all of us in are in a scenario i mean we are not i think we've crossed that era where now we are you know uh, taken by shiny happy mass commercialized things mm. people are looking right. more and more into products which are crafted now whether it's in food whether it's in music and all of that as well mm-hmm. and sorry uh, if i want to go further into it uh, it could be a slightly abstract and philosophical yeah. question but since you mentioned the word being relevant also right yeah, yeah. so what defines relevancy i think the relevancy is a definition that has to be both sided mm. relevance is not just dictating to what you think a market requires but a relevance is also a sense of purpose in terms of what you want to create it is sort of a double sort of a this thing mm-hmm. so relevance is that for example and that's why i said incidentally they make tiles 5 mm-hmm. years right. down the line bft could be doing something some other product as well correct but the core values and the reason and how the brand is built up would still remain the same it's not going to be a different brand altogether mm is like simon sinek's golden circle yeah absolutely because the thing is uh, and i think that's what's important is because that again comes back to the idea of what really a brand is so mm. if you really stand for a certain set of ideas and values your products are what make you relevant over a point of time in terms of uh, what's happening in the industry or in the market mm-hmm. but your brand sort of remains consistent as this code which sort of runs throughout mm-hmm. and then for those what made you lock this variation because i'm sure there must be multiple iterations a lot of collaboration happening so why did you uh finalize if i can use that word but this with with what we have today so what was really interesting was that the entire package that uh, we saw hmm. extended not just to the logo but also to like you know things like stationery how the showrooms would look uh pretty much you know every aspect of the company was being touched by this design process uh you know how will the tiles be packaged how will we display them on a wall what will happen in an exhibition stand you know there was a whole it was a whole framework within which even if idea spice left us the next day and said you know like we can't continue with you we could hand it over to somebody else and say like you will design using this particular language and this particular framework and these templates everything mm-hmm. was set out mm-hmm. so that was really interesting because in our earlier um, branding exercises that never happened somebody would come with one logo or just one brochure and nothing was quite tied together mm-hmm. which i think is one problem that a lot of small companies face is that you know because they end up working with uh, you know limited budgets so they don't have really good design uh, capabilities in terms of like collaterals or in terms of putting together a cohesive package you know their exhibition stall may be done by one guy and their uh, lo- logo may be done by somebody else and their brochures may be done by a third guy so nothing really ties together mm-hmm. but here now everything came together and it really started looking really co- quite fab 
and that's when we locked it down we said you know we'll continue with this mm-hmm. i think being a designer i would uh, put on the designer side it's i think if i have to reword what you said it it was quite thought through yes right because Correct. like what happens is designers they generally shouldn't think in isolation but it typically tends to happen because of the industry because of other market pressures but if you really care or love uh, show love towards the brand then you actually see it through right right from your say mm. tissue paper to to the final holding which is going to be out there yes right correct. Uh, right so uh, it's so interestingly we didn't present any options uh-huh. we presented what worked best right. again that's yes. where i think for me the collaboration with bft has been fruitful because they sort of understand this process like i'm a very big uh, disbeliever of this whole options. you know options you know like <laughs> you know for a presentation you have to show three options yeah so as far as wherever i can i sort of try and not go with that route at all but say that you know here is what i really recommend and that's going to work i mean mm. it's pretty much like going to the doctor and saying so if you have a requirement and going to the doctor saying can you give me three options of what do i have <laughs> so that sort of mm. doesn't really work yeah. and that's the kind of clans that i look to collaborate in bft is one of those clans because they understand the perspective where we come from the perspective is that look we are not going to show you options for the sake of options you know make mm. two bad and one right. look good so that you choose the typical things that sort of do yeah. but we are going to present one which we think is really going to work and then let's work around that yeah actually the designers have spoiled the the nature of working because in fact there's a trend also right you saw the second option which is really sad so the third option <laughs> no, so I, th- yeah. I, th- i think it's <laughs> i think it's both to blame yeah. there is a sen- the the thing what happens is that because it's such a visual thing mm-hmm. right you are able any anyone is able to comment on it visually okay. so they can say oh i don't like blue i don't like this thing etc right but mm-hmm. if you're really sort of coming from a, a deeper and a larger context mm-hmm. where you're saying this is why we're doing what we're doing you'll actually end up realizing there's only one logical possible solution for that mm-hmm. and the faster we arrive to that solution the faster we can move on to other things which is sort of actually building the brand yeah. so the process can happen actually happen a far more efficiently which is why for me i find the presenting three options and then running through the entire process highly inefficient because you're just running around in circles and not really looking at that one thing which will really work correct correct in fact i have three things to that uh, the question itself said multiple iterations so i was very yeah, clear yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there was no there was no multiple iterations uh, and no i'm i'm fine uh, as a designer i'm fine yeah. with iteration because that's just refining but options is like totally different approaches yeah, yeah, altogether yeah, yeah. it may or may not it shouldn't work in a brand perspective yeah. but from a user experience design yeah. uh, when you're trying to solve Correct. a particular problem so you know flow. you know yeah. that's more at a refinement level but there's a very clear agreement on in terms of where which is the direction that we're heading mm-hmm. and that's something which happened because the kind of conversations which we were having were not about you know what is the kind of logo we want mm-hmm. the conversations were far deeper the conversation was that you know how do we make it relevant what are the places that we need to be etc mm-hmm. then through that we together reached a conclusion that we knew our is going to work correct correct yeah so second point was uh, i like i think someone from uh, economic times or uh, midday covered one of the interviews done by me and i said sadis mein option rehta hai design mein nahi rehta right <laughs> that's where you yeah. draw the yeah, line because true. you can show like multiple sadis mein peele mein dikhao neele mein dikhao but when it comes to design it's there's no option in fact i was reading a very nice book uh, called what is art and 100 other questions okay. i forgot the name of the author but uh, in that he says that my brother likes green tractors and i like yellow tractors mm-hmm. so what should i do 
and the answer to it was uh, like the liking not defines the tractor but you so yeah. you either change your brother yeah. or you change the tractor <laughs> right so, so it's pretty yeah, it's straightforward <laughs> so and what was the process uh, of sharing like a as you mentioned uh, uh, as as in firdos mentioned about talking about like showing you the multiple touch points or yeah. different variations or templates so yeah. are there any instances which, where you can share what were the brand guidelines for the not the sub brands but like different brands within it like there's uh, heritage terrazzo yeah. and other things so is there any side to that so i think the uh, the idea was that there's a very strong mother brand which is bft and within these we uh, the thing was what we were earlier looking at were just products we were looking at uh, the tiles themselves but what we realized is that apart from the tiles it's also what the tiles stand for hmm. so so that suddenly opened up to understanding that you know within bft apart from products you can also run design programs as well so bft plus was a design program where bft collaborated with other architects interior designers to create tiles now the same conversation could could have been also done in a different way bft could just ask someone to design tiles for them and just produce those tiles and send them out in the market but the idea again over here was the understanding that when we and obviously because for bft a large part of their a uh, consumer is the design and architectural and interior community right. we wanted to create a conversation where we know that you know and the idea of creating the platform was something which allows us to create to sort of bring that conversation to a larger bunch of people mm. so through this bft plus program i think they've collaborated with right i think all what 20 30 no not so many i think it's around 10 7 or 8 no, so no. seems like a lot more i know seems like a lot but, more, but yeah, yeah. because so each of them has designers. had such a yeah, great impact yeah, on yeah. the design language that we now use so then all of a sudden even for us the way we were thinking about the brand also suddenly changes changes right where we sort of understand that you know here is it's not just focusing only on the product hmm. whether it's a heritage or a terrazzo or what material that sort of product is but it's actually how that product is conceptualized as well also becomes an equally important part Mm-hmm. and that's where from that bft plus for example like where idea spice collaborated with bft to create made in india tiles and that was again a fun exercise i mean if you think of it it's so simple i mean the idea is each state in india has a particular motif the motif is derived from the traditional uh, art art and craft tradition whether it's fabric whether it's crafts whether it's you know woodwork etc mm-hmm. but just by thinking of a platform like made in india where we say that we are going to take every state and then create all of it then the then the product that comes out sort of becomes far more deeper you are able to sort of do it not just one but multiple number of times and then the connect between for example someone who said a building a house in rajasthan for example when he puts a jharoka tile from the made in india range in his home there's a very strong connection between the context of the place that the tile hmm. comes in Right. So it's a home in Rajasthan which has using handcrafted tiles which is inspired from the traditional architecture in Rajasthan. The conversation then suddenly becomes something else. And that sort of in a sense is also the idea behind the tagline as well every flow tells a story. And that what really was for us a defining thing that these BFT when you use a BFT flooring you're sort of making a statement. Mm. You're not doing something which is going to get hidden by a carpet or you know it's just there and you don't think about it. Ha. Mm. Huh. Uh, so actually, yeah, I have uh, like two rapid-fire questions in the end. But uh, just to conclude with the overall conversation, yeah. um, what learning uh, would you like to share? Because since we hardly get a chance where the client and the the agency is 
speaking face to face so uh, how much like a brand should indulge in the or should interfere in the creative freedom uh, of the agency and as opposed to the other like how much uh, initial thoughts or approaches uh, should the agency share with the brand so that the trust is built and also you keep the the anxiety of what is going to come <laughs> up next and pitch with a nice fresh uh, perspective so for those if you want to just uh, highlight that well uh, i would say that you know saurav and me even though we agree on great many matters but there's always one point on which we disagree which is that he is very creative so he looks always from the branding perspective how do i make this the most instagram worthy or the most you know beautiful looking uh, brochure or uh, website or exhibition stall and i'm more on the practical side i always think like how will my sales guy use this tool to <laughs> sell the tiles hmm. so you know like he'll come up with some really funky stuff like a kaleidoscope concept mm-hmm. uh and i'll be like nahi nahi yaar mujhe aisa ek shelf chahiye uske upar tile lagega so you know this kind of give and take that is there sometimes very hard to uh these kind of differences are very hard to marry because you know a kaleidoscope and a shelf are very very far away <laughs> from each other hmm. so we usually come to some <laughs> sort of middle ground hmm. uh where it's also creative but then on the other on the hand it's uh you know also very practical hmm. Hmm. and uh, sort of i think i mean uh, i mean again like pretty much like what we were discussing right that brands are two way street i mean i actually see the process of branding also as that Mm-hmm. like for me i would rather have it as open and as collaborative as possible because what happens is then what it creates is a shared sense of purpose mm-hmm. you are not sort of pitching or presenting something to someone and then trying to sell that idea to the client for example the idea is that both the client and the studio are working towards a similar purpose mm-hmm. and for me obviously you know like i will always pitch a kaleidoscope first of all and i'll always yeah. come back with to me saying that you know we don't have the budget mm. but mm. sometimes that ends up creating a solution that probably both of us haven't even thought of mm. so you right. actually end up with something which is you know completely dramatically different from what your original intention was but probably works better than what individually what we would have thought so the more open it is the more collaborative it is that to me sort of works better and uh, also wanted to ask on that note since in the first uh, question only uh, uh, you discuss about how much the brand is seeped into the system also so that everyone yeah, carries yeah, forward yeah, so yeah. on those same lines uh, can you share any experience uh, which all departments did you plunge into uh, since it's like a old no, I think company so a, a simple way to look at this is uh, i mean mainly it's just to understand like what were the steps so that the new brand seeps into the the mindset of every employee within BFT obviously so, outside the people are yeah, aware right yeah. so i think one very visible way in which that happened was uh, when we first did a made in india workshop where the tiles uh, what we again and that's again an example of a extremely collaborative process where what firdaus and i worked together is on understanding and creating the platform of made in india that mm. we are going to be using each state and we are going to derive something from each state and create a tile pattern for it but now rather than that being a studio exercise we actually ended up sort of making it into a bft and an idea spice workshop together so they had their marketing guys the sales guys design guys and we had obviously all the designers sort of come in together right this entire team was broken into a mixed group of people each group then actually sat designed this thing 
and that suddenly opened up a very interesting kind of a format and a process because the sales guys were then able to see that you know it's not something a catalog that they handed over and that they're being sold they're actually part of the entire process and understanding the journey that how do you even conceptualize and sort of create a tile pattern and how does it sort of translate mm. so and again for the designers it was interesting that while they were making the tiles you have someone saying that you know what will work in the market what will not work in the market mm. right so what and it's really the idea is to sort of create these environments where you can have all of these kind of conversations come together and that is one way in which sort of the bft brand ended up seeping everywhere else so it didn't become an abstract exercise where we had to engage the department separately but by doing things together that engagement happened automatically mm. yes that's and true. that's something which worked well i mean we've done it twice now yes so and in fact thrice a lot mean, of fun twice for made in india another one for another new range that's going to come out and it just sort of becomes a very engaging sort of a process altogether which is for the designers as well as for bft as well mm. i think i have to listen to this recording twice <laughs> at least to maybe form an opinion saying that it was neither a top down approach nor it was a bottom up it was like a more horizontal right. slash more democratic yeah. i would i would say it was right. a more doing approach because if we were to say for example in a typical scenario if we were to tell someone that let's say internal employees how would we say that this is what bft stands for right what would be method of communication you would sort of either do a presentation or there be a talk or you do something of that sort yeah but that's still something which is a very disconnected thing you're sort of still imparting that information to someone in the hope that they may or may not get it mm. but suddenly when you're doing things together and you're part of the process that imbibing that idea comes automatically because now you're suddenly realizing that look each tile of bft that i am selling for example this is the process and the hard work that goes into making that particular tile because i as a salesman have been a part of the process mm mm Right. suddenly their understanding becomes that much more deeper as well and conversely i think even for designers to know that you know it's not enough that we are making something nice over here in the studio someone out there has to be able to take this and go sell it in the market obviously they have completely different kind of concerns altogether so the more these viewpoints sort of come together and they sort of work and sort of collaborate together in an environment like this the better the output is brilliant brilliant so yeah last uh, two questions um so can you live with this new brand for the next 100 years yeah of course uh, <laughs> definitely i think it's a very classic design and definitely very versatile as well mm-hmm. so i would say yep and for sort of you like if given a second chance would you change anything i don't want the designer's angle because a lot of hard work has gone to it because the, col- the kaleidoscope <laughs> <laughs> yeah the kaleidoscope no but uh, no not really because mm-hmm. i think uh, uh, bft to me is a, is a example of a case study where there's really no client in a studio per se you know there's a shared sense of purpose where everyone sort of collaborating and working together mm-hmm. and you know whether it's something as mundane as making a brochure or doing something like a workshop or even doing an exhibition there is a shared sense of excitement and joy and mm. i think you know that's what right. really is the most important aspect of any client studio relationship is a shared sense of joy in things that you're creating mm. then and ultimately then everyone has fun right and i think the bft exhibition was a tremendous yeah, amount definitely. of fun it was a insane deadline they were like super tight budgets mm. but everyone pulled together to create something that all of us at the end we you know we're standing and looking at thinking yeah, you know, really. this is fun It was amazing. 
this is a good note to end obviously there's a lot more to be documented yeah. we'll be uh, doing few more episodes with uh, bft um and yeah thanks to firosa sidwa uh, for yes, creating yeah, such for a creating like, yeah it legacy. has a core philosophy to it which yeah, yeah. which can like which is timeless probably yeah cool thank you guys for giving your time and it was real pleasure to have you on audio again it was fun talking to you yep had a great time again thank, thank you. you so much for having us here thank you thank you bye that's it and that's it from today's gyan session catch us on itunes savan stitcher or any podcasting app you use do rate us on itunes and follow us on twitter facebook and instagram stay tuned for more gyan on audiogyan.com till then bye